Good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Thanks for being here with the Grace Church family this morning. I'm so glad you're in the house. All these beautiful people, all the smiling faces in one place. We are indeed spoiled, are we not? Let's say welcome to our online audience looking at us right now through that camera right there. We welcome you guys. <clears throat> Thank you, too, for being with us today, part of the Grace Church family. Hey, just a few quick announcements. Um, this coming Saturday, the 17th of June, wow, we're in the middle of the month already, um, from 10 a.m. right here till about 2 o'clock, we're going to have a student car wash fundraiser. So come out, get your dirty car washed. You will feel cleansed all around and put them to work and throw some money at the student ministry as they're raising funds for some of the events that they're planning throughout the summer. Wouldn't that be fun? All right. So this coming Saturday, don't wash your car all week. Wait till Saturday. Bring it on out. Also, also want you to know um, that and I'm going to just mention this once or twice again, but at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning, there's a prayer meeting happening in M105, that room right there, through that wall, right there. Um, Jason Ritchie is leading it. If you feel called to prayer, you want to pray into what's happening at Grace Church, you want to pray into what's happening here at the region, but mostly we're praying you know, for what happens here at the weekend services. Join them. Join us at 9 o'clock. I'm sometimes there, sometimes not, but as much as possible, we just you know, kind of call out. To, the, to God and say, come on, meet us in this place, amen? So if you're called to that, join us. Anybody's welcome from 9 to 9.30 on a Sunday. Well, hey, we're in, we're in a, a, a really fun series called Engage. Uh, that's because it takes some engagement um, to experience what we call the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit series. And wow, can we just applaud last week? Pastor Ray just launched it so well. Come on, it was such good stuff about what to expect from this, this one we call Holy Spirit, uh, right? It's not an it, it's a person, the, the third person of the Trinity called Holy Spirit. And our relationship with him really, really matters. And how we engage with him really, really matters. And how um, it really changes how we live our life day to day. And so today we're going to specifically talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, if I use words like being empowered or being filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean the same thing, okay? It's all the same thing, but different translations will word it differently, different books that you've read. Um, some people called it being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and, and that's okay. It means the same thing, and um, I might use all three interchangeably or at the same time. Let's pause for prayer. Should we do that? Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this place. You are welcome in our lives to mold and to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in this place among this beautiful family that we call Grace Church. We thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're moving in and among us, but also in this region. So we invite you, Lord, to do a deeper work in us today. Um, help us to put aside our ego, to put aside our preconceived notions, our ideas, of how it is that you work. Help us to just embrace you wholeheartedly in this place. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Well, in about the year 1990, I think, something like that, I was gloriously saved. I was about 19 years old. And um, um, 
And not only was I saved, I, I discovered a whole new way to view God because I stumbled upon um, a happy, clappy church of Pentecostals <laughs> that really freaked me out at first. <laughs> but I went back. I told you this story before. I went back the very next Sunday because I was so curious about what these people were all about. Where was their joy coming from? And I didn't know what to call it, but when they were praying, they would all pray together. I mean, it was like, it was like fire, and they would all sometimes pray in tongues, not all, but oftentimes pray. I didn't know what to call it back then, but I had to go on a really quick, really furious journey of saying, what was that? What was that? What was that? But there was a presence, and when they said, Vern, what you need is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, I want it. I don't know what that exactly is, but yes, Lord, you know, because it seemed like these people were carrying something that I knew that I didn't have or I wasn't aware of that I had is, a, is probably a better way to put it. I didn't know how to engage with the person of the Holy Spirit. It was right there. I just didn't know, right? Because I was never taught. Come on, in my church growing up, I did go to church. It was very liturgical, very straight-laced. What I did is sat in the pew, and that is it. I did nothing else, right? Sometimes I slept just to get through it. <laughs> such were some of us, such were some of you, <laughs> Right, but now I was on a whole new journey. And when they prayed for me that one Sunday, the pastor said, if anybody wants to experience what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, rush to the front. And we did, you know, 50 people rushing to the front. And guess what happened? Nothing at all. <laughs> You're so disappointed, I know. Nothing happened at all. I was like, I knew God didn't like me. I was pretty sure he didn't want me here in the... So it, it tweaked my rejection issues and all that. But I went home. I didn't, I didn't give up. I, I went home and I went, okay, come on. I know that there's an experience here that I need. But it was about two weeks later and I was praying for the same thing. I was alone in my basement. I lived in the town of Lebanon at the time with friends of mine from this new church. And I was just praying and crying out to God. I'm like, come on, I know that there's more. I know there's experience. And the only way to describe that moment was... There was a tangible presence of God that felt like electricity filled my entire basement where I was praying alone. And it filled my entire being. I was actually scared out of my wits. Honestly, I was. I was actually like, okay, I don't know what this, I don't even know if this is that, right? <laughs> the book of Joel says, this is that, because he had to tell them, this is that, which I, we, I prophesied. Like, is this that? And I was like, is this what they were talking about? Is this what it feels like? Or is this the experience? And, and so... And so I was gloriously filled with the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't much later, maybe a week or two, I realized that as I would mutter, as I would pray, ran out of stuff to pray in English, I had some syllables that seemed to come out, and then the one guy was like, I think that's tongues, just go with that, you know? Oh my gosh, I felt so weird. I felt like this, it's like, they should probably lock me up. I've become one of those weird people, and uh, those people you try to avoid, but, but no, I got, I got more and more like what I would call gift of languages. We'll talk about that today a little bit. And, and it set uh, uh, me on a trajectory of full experience of what I call the third person of the Trinity. His name is Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to live without that. You know, and, and as Pastor Ray said last week, we're not doing this just to make everybody weird. But how about to make everybody biblical? Is that okay? It's in the Bible. Jesus did some strange things, not for the purpose of being strange, but for the purpose of coming into alignment with the Bible. And if the world calls that strange, so be it. If the world calls that weird, so be it. I want to be biblical. How about you? And so the first thing I want you to know, I'm going to go through some, some things that I just want you to know some things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
uh, spiritually and practically. And just a few things I want you to know about this gift of tongues. Because as long as we preach about this, right away somebody's in the audience going, what about them tongues, man? What about, yes, I'm okay with all that. What about tongues? That's usually what comes up. And that's okay because it ought to be taught about. It ought to be preached about in a biblical kind of way. Like, And even if we don't all experience that in particular, we should not be afraid of it, right? We should not pull back from something that's in the Bible and should be preached and taught. Uh, will everybody prophesy? Probably not. Will everybody heal someone and lay hands? Probably not. But, it's, but the gifts are there. Will everybody speak in tongues? Maybe, maybe not. But the gifts are there for us to participate in. Amen, somebody? And should not be avoided. Come on, y'all been part of those churches that just conveniently avoid these topics, and I don't want to be that church. I want to be the church that's okay talking about the full experience of the gospel. Can I get a good Berks County amen this morning? <clears throat> Number one, what I, this, I want you to know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is experiential. Somebody say experiential. And so too often we settle for a gospel that's in our head only, and, and you can memorize the entire Bible, you know, but, I, but when I ask someone, have you experienced things in the Bible, from the Bible, things you read about, miracles, signs, and wonders, sometimes you get the deer in the headlights look, and you've met those people. Yeah, good, you can quote the whole book of Psalms, but have you actually experienced, you know, just recently there was a, um, and now I, now I don't remember the band's name, um, it doesn't matter, but it was last year. Um, there, was, there was a popular Christian band artist who, well, of course, they do this very, very publicly because they're a very publicly Christian band. And so I think it was Hawk, Dave, uh, Hawk Nelson. You know, and he said, nope, I no longer believe in God. I'm discounting everything. I'm, not, I'm walking away from the whole thing. And he wrote the songs for the, for the band and everything, you know, because he literally said in his one interview, I know all this. I can read all this. I have a Bible, of course. He wrote all the songs for this Christian band for years. He said, I've never actually experienced God. And I thought that was so sad. Like, like he never actually had an experiential relationship with God whereby it reached deeper than just words on a page. And isn't that sad, somebody? Okay, let's pick up the pace because I don't want you know, to. But, but let's read Acts 2, 1 to 4 and look at this experience. Not just words on a page, but an actual experience. I would love to have been there that day as well. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And so... I want to end that segment by just saying again, what an awesome experience. Nobody came and just said words to them. No one came and said, read this or account for this. They actually were brought right into an actual experience. And there's nowhere in scripture that says we cannot experience the same things. Hallelujah, somebody. So let's just pause and pray right there. A quick prayer before we move on to point number two. Make my Christian walk an actual experience. In Jesus' name. Do you agree? Number two, good thing to know, and this is really important because we might preach this differently than some of our forefathers. Um, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you when you say yes to following Jesus. When you have declared Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, Scripture clearly tells, tells us that the Holy Spirit is there. I mean, who, who brought you to repentance in the first place? That is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Come on, somebody. And so according to Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
By the way, I wanna just insert right here. If you're confused about scriptures that seem to go against one another, Keep reading scripture, uh, because scripture loves to interpret scripture, is what I like to say. I think that I got that from Joseph Prince. Just keep reading, because some, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you look at one verse, sometimes you're like, oh, well, it's got to happen just by laying on of hands, or it's got to happen later at a certain point or whatever. But listen, scripture will help you interpret scripture. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is right there. When you say yes to Jesus, when I said, Jesus, I want to follow you with all my heart, mind, and soul, I believe that he was there. And I believe that at that moment, the Holy Spirit became one with my spirit. My spirit was 100% saved and renewed, right? So however, just because the Holy Spirit is present in that moment when you've said yes to Jesus does not mean that you know how to interact well. And does not mean that we've been taught then how to engage. And that, hence, is the problem, in my opinion, with half of the church, at least in America today, where they don't engage further. And so some of the churches that you and I have been to, you know, they, they, call, for, they, they call for getting saved again and again. You know? And so if you get saved, I believe you're saved. You don't need to get saved again. I mean, if you want to pray the same prayer, that's awesome. We pray it every weekend. You can always pray along. We encourage that but I don't believe that you have to get saved every weekend in order to hang on to your salvation. Come on, somebody. But it's because they haven't further engaged with this person of the Holy Spirit. And in my opinion, he's ignored or the work is ignored. It's a little bit like, you know, when I was, when I was single and we were dating, we we're about to get married. I was living in an apartment by myself. And, and then we got married, gloriously married. Hallelujah. And then Alicia moved into my house. Right? In our first year of marriage, I was busy. I was climbing the corporate ladder, working in, uh, as a production manager. And there was moments where I was driving home from work or just working where I almost like forgot that I was married. And that's, that sounds bad. <laughs> that's really bad for me. Like, no, oh yeah, I got married and she's living in my house now. Right? I don't have to date her. I don't have to drive over to Mannheim. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That was. <clears throat> I could actually go home and she's there in my house, right? And so we can become so busy as Christians, like out here, doing all this stuff out here and, and, and focusing on salvation alone. We forget that what happened at salvation, someone moved into your house. Right? And, and, and they're there to engage with. Hallelujah. This is good news, somebody. They're there to interact with and start talking to and engaging with. And so, so that's why we call, um, we call this <clears throat> engaging with the Holy Spirit. So churches that talk differently about these things, you know, some mainline um, evangelical churches, denominational churches of all kinds, one like I was raised in, um, also otherwise known as cessationist churches, some just conveniently ignore. And so I don't want to name exact denominations. You can decide that for yourself. Some just conveniently ignore the topic. But other churches really are called cessationists. The word cessationist means all the gifts have now ceased, right? As opposed to what we are is continuationist. All the gifts of the Spirit have continued. Hallelujah. And so cessationist doctrines, I'm going to get this out there just so you know where I stand, is a heresy, absolute heresy is not scriptural at all. There's nowhere in scripture that says all the gifts have now ceased. There's only one, one scripture that they refer to in Corinthians. I'm not even gonna read it. You can study it on your own, you know, because it says when, when the, the perfect has come. And they believe that the perfect that came is our Bible. You know, I was like, well, then I guess the, the, the early church for the first 800 years, you know, didn't have the perfect. 
No, the perfect is Jesus Christ. And when he returns and takes us to glorious heaven to live for all eternity, that's when perfection comes. And scripture's very clear that there's not perfection until that moment. Then you won't need all the gifts of the spirit when you're in heaven with him forever for all eternity. But until then, we need all that he has for us to navigate through this life. I don't know how, I don't know how to navigate through these years without the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I could do it, honestly. I don't know. You know, it, says, it talks about a great falling away. I'm getting way off of my notes. But that is, in my opinion, because we haven't engaged with the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through these rocky times that we're in. Um, so awareness is lacking in some places. Therefore, experience is, is lacking. When awareness is lacking, experience is lacking. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. It's one of my favorite verses, and it's a good picture of what happens when you get saved. Um, on that day. Now, now, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.28, I think I read this before, but I'm just going to paraphrase it for now. You are spirit, soul, and body. So now, now that you're saved and the Holy Spirit is now moved on and up in your little apartment, <laughs> he wants to affect the rest of you. Not just your spirit. He wants to affect your soul which is your mind, your will, and emotions. And he also wants to affect your body in various ways, not just to heal your body. I like, I like Romans 8, 11. It says, when the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. King James Version used the word quicken. We don't use that word much nowadays. You know, Have you been quickened? <laughs> we don't use that. But I love that. I love to say the Holy Spirit comes to quicken us. Make us alive, right? Mind, soul, and spirit, all of you. By the way, just in case you're wondering, the word baptism in the Holy Spirit, the word baptism means immersion, right? That's why when we baptize people in water, we fully dunk them, making sure even their nose tip is under, right? Making sure they're fully immersed, right? And so with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't just want to say, well, now I live inside of you. I want to immerse all of you your whole mind, will, and emotions, and your body in, the, in my power, in my, in my glory. And when that happens, come on, somebody, you are now experiencing what's called a baptism, a full immersion of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say again, it's, you don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit to come to you when you got saved. That is a work of the Holy Spirit right there. He comes to you, joins with you, becomes one with you. Uh, you know, old Pentecostals would say, you can get saved, but if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to heaven. <laughs> like, no, you have the Holy Spirit. It's not a salvation issue at that point. You have the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you've been baptized. And, and scripture clearly teaches it as an additional and another experience. That usually comes by the way we engage from that point on, the way that we interact and the way that we ask and we seek and we knock, and that's my third point. Baptism of the Holy Spirit requires us to engage, like it's asking and seeking and knocking. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, right? And so there's a further engaging that we do because we keep saying, okay, you're with me. Now I want to experience the fullness. And he often waits for us to surrender and to partner then with him for the additional experiences. Some people get it right away. Everybody knows those people. They got saved. They got baptized. They were filled with the Holy Spirit all in, one, all in one day or all in the same minute. I'm not saying it isn't possible. For me, it was a progression. And I've, experienced, I've seen it for many people. It's more of a progression 
of yielding and surrendering and say, all of me, Lord, not some of me, all of me. Come on, I surrender to you. Are you with me this morning? Again, you don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to live inside of you or seek his indwelling presence when you get saved. But the empowering or the baptism that we're talking about is seldom automatic, but often happens as a response to prayer, asking, interacting with him, following Jesus with your whole heart, learning to engage with him. And so our prayer is continually, in my opinion, should be, Holy Spirit, fill me completely. That's why you hear me pray that a lot during salvation prayers. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. Fill me completely. All of me have your way in this place. And it takes it, takes it from a, Maybe from a, what I would call, not, not, it's not a limited experience because salvation, I don't like to use those words, but salvation is complete, right? When you say yes to Jesus. But, but, it's, but it's that moment where then when he has all of you or, or more of you, then he gets into the driver's seat and you move to the passenger seat and you say, come on, Lord, I'm, I'm partnering with you, but I really want to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, anybody with me this morning? I know that's my prayer continually to put him into the driver's seat and I move over. Number four, things you should know. Holy Spirit baptism is not just a one-time experience. (laughs) Some of you are like, been there, done that. (laughs) I met people and so have you. Like, oh, absolutely. When I was 19, you know, and you're looking at me going, great. That's great what happened to you at 19. And you should be saying, what happened to you yesterday? What happened to you this morning? Meaning it's an ongoing experience. Let me, let me share something with you that I think is really cool. Pastor Ray read this last week from Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, and, but be filled with the Spirit, right? And that's a very awkward translation that we discovered because it actually translates, it doesn't translate well in English, the part of be filled with the Holy Spirit. It translates very strangely like be ye being filled. And no one talks like that, right? So they translated it like, like this, which would be a better translation. They should have translated it like continue to be filled again and again and again is actually what it should say, right? But they don't really, they didn't really uh, translate that super well. And so they just said, be filled with the Holy Spirit as if been there, done that, done. And so that's why we get that. But actually it's an ongoing filling. And, and the, other, the other thing I just want to point out, you know, lest there's some of you that have gotten too comfortable <laughs> is is in Acts 4.31, and this is later. Come on, I just read the day of Pentecost when they had fire, tongues of fire. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But this is later. This is like weeks later. I don't know. It could be months later. It doesn't really say, or days later. And when they had prayed in Acts 4, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They were all filled with the Spirit again. The same people. It doesn't say who was in the first, who all was in the, some of the disciples, of course, 120 people, doesn't say who all was there or, or the second time, but the same thing happened again. Multiple, multiple experiences were meant to be, to happen again and again throughout their Christian walk. And so I just want to point that out in case someone's gotten, hey, I've been there, done that 20 years ago, don't need to go through it again. Yeah, you should probably go through it tomorrow and the next day and the next, and say, Holy Spirit, fill me completely. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, more, more, Lord. What about them tongues? Oh, my gosh. 
Now, many of you are very familiar with this, and this is a beautiful church where uh, this doctrine has been embraced. But for the sake of those who have not, I want to talk to, I want to talk to you about this in an uncondemning way, in a way that actually makes you hungry, in a way that invites you into more, not in a way that actually says, you know, that you're, you're, you're afraid for your salvation or anything like that. You know, you're afraid, you're like, oh my gosh, they just want me to be weird. I'm out of here. No, I want to invite you into something that is, that is clearly, clearly biblical and do it in such a way that actually makes you hungry to seek out more. According, so let's talk about tongues. Number one, I want you to know this. Tongues is for the church of today. Somebody say today. It's not, a, it's not something that just existed in the church of yesterday or 2,000 years ago. This is something that should be experienced in its rightful place in the church today. There's a Barna study group that I, that I read um, periodically, and they study a lot of phenomenon around the world uh, that Christians are experiencing. But the Barna study group article mentioned recently that uh, the Christian millennial generation, come on, that's the upper 20s and mostly 30-year-old uh, generation. They value the gift of tongues more than other generations. Hmm. It was an interesting study, wasn't it? So I think things come and go in waves across the church and across the decades and generations. So now the millennial generation, surprisingly, is saying we value this higher than some other things um, or other than other generations. Another study declared that approximately 25% of Christians in the world today pray and speak in tongues and believe in this, but they do it daily. They were saying, are the ones that say, I do this daily, about 25%. But what is that? Out of the 2 billion, 604 million, 381,000 approximate Christians around the globe, that means that at least 651 million, 95,000, and exactly 250 people speak in tongues on a daily basis. <laughs> Approximately. It's a, I don't know how they count these, these things, but obviously it's in that ballpark. And so if you pray in tongues, at least you believe in this doctrine, you are among many, many, many brothers and sisters who practice this on a daily basis. I want to say that because I believe that it's gaining popularity again in the younger churches of today because things go in waves. It's like an overemphasis almost in some previous generations. Like if you don't, you know, I don't even know if you're going to heaven. I don't even know if you're saved. And sometimes an overemphasis and then the pendulum swings and you don't hear a lot about it for maybe a decade, and then it comes back, and, and then it's like, well, let's, let's find that pendulum and get it to stop. Can we do that? And just say, yes, it's for today. Let's keep it in a healthy balance and, and preach it as part of our daily walk in the Lord. The pendulum doesn't have to swing out of control to the right or to the left. Um, so it, in, the, in the book of Acts, we just read it, but I want to just reiterate, Acts 2.4, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, just like we read, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want to admit to you right now that this is one of the most mysterious gifts, but it, it comes up a lot when we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Uh, speaking in tongues is mentioned in many places in the New Testament, but here's why it often comes up. Because it's often mentioned in the New Testament as the outward evidence that people were indeed baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's one of the main ways that they describe how do I know that they're filled with the Holy Spirit is because they heard them speaking or praying in tongues. 
Is tongues the only evidence of being spirit-filled? No, it's not. And if you listened last week to what Ray preached about, he talked about all the fruits of the Spirit, the ways that you get wisdom, the ways that you get sound, you know, and all this kind of stuff. There's other ways, that there's other outward evidence to you being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, boldness to share the gospel is mentioned, wisdom, gifts of prophecy, and other spiritual gifts. But here's what I'm telling you. There's a manifestation. And that's why I say, if you, if you walk around saying, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I hope that other people notice that too in your life by some manifestation. You don't have to walk around praying in tongues through Walmart. Uh, please, actually, please don't do that. <laughs> I do sometimes under my breath. <laughs> but you may if you want to. But I, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying there should be evidence in your life that other people see the fruit. Come on, we're known by our fruit. And other people say, hmm, what is it about you? Say, oh, I'm glad someone notices that I am indeed filled with the Holy Spirit. And then tongues is not the only way that's noticed that. Do I need to speak in tongues? No, but you get to. <laughs> Do you like my quirky answer? You, you get to. You are invited to. And you are encouraged to. Let me say again, it's not a salvation issue. It's a glorious invitation to partner with the Holy Spirit and to receive all that he has to offer. In 1 Corinthians, Paul said, it was a little arrogant, but he said, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, or I want you all to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. And then he talks about other things in that passage too, about prophecy and all that. But he clearly declared, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now, here, here's what I would say about that. Let's pretend that I did get married. Not, not pretend I did get married to Alicia. <laughs> But what if I did it this way? It's like, Alicia, I really want to marry you. I want to live my life with you. I want you to move into my house. But there's certain things about you I just don't like. And there's this part here. I just don't want you to ever say that, do that, manifest that. I just want some of you. You'd be like, then stop, don't marry that chick. I mean, find someone that you actually fully want to, want to embrace, right? And that'd be weird. Wouldn't that just be... That, that would actually be offensive. And so I, I'm throwing that out there to say, why do we do that to the Holy Spirit? And there's some people that I, when I preached about this at Lifeway and we did it in, in, in classroom sessions and, and fully engaged and it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. There's this one guy, he's like, I like everything about the Holy Spirit, just not tongues and I will never speak in tongues. And I challenged her and she was very upset with me and never came back to those classes. But I challenged her very, I said, you can reject part of the Holy Spirit. I just don't know why you'd want to do that. Why don't you, uh, I don't know, you wouldn't do that to a good friend of yours. You wouldn't do that to, you know, someone you want to marry. I just think that's offensive to actually tell him to his face, I like some of you. The other parts of you are weird, get out. You know, that, that kind of stuff. No, it, and again, it doesn't mean that everyone will speak in tongues. Paul said, I wish that you all did. Apparently then they didn't or he wouldn't say that, right? He was talking to the Christian believers. But yet you can come to a place where you're saying, I may or may not, but I desire it and I don't reject it. I think that's a good place to be. Amen, somebody? And then let the experience happen with the Holy Spirit. Let's not reject and grieve the Holy Spirit in the process. The other thing I think is good to know, tongues can be known or unknown languages. By the way, tongues is an archaic word for languages, right? That's actually what it means. And so get this, some tongues are known languages. Um, Acts 2.11 says both the Jews and the proselytes, both Cretans and, and Arabians, they were hearing them telling in their own tongues the mighty word 
works of God. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was falling, they actually heard their own languages being prayed. And so, thank God for interpretation, right? That's where tongues needs to be interpreted. You know, it was like words were going out for the people, and then God gifted them through the Holy Spirit, all the disciples and all the people in the upper room to speak various languages. My favorite story of that, it wasn't me, I wish it happened to me, but um, there was a gentleman from Lancaster County, come on, the county over, um, <clears throat> who was raised Pennsylvania Dutch, not only that, but Amish. He was raised in the, in the Amish culture, and he got gloriously saved and went on a mission trip somewhere in Africa. I don't remember, this it's a true story. A friend of a friend of a friend actually experienced this. I don't know his name anymore, but it's a true story. They got handed down. And, and he said, he said it, was, it was the most incredible thing because this, this ex-Amish man went on a mission trip somewhere in Africa. And while they're in this worship service, in the middle of Africa, the African pastor was gloriously praying in Pennsylvania Dutch. And he was just astounded, like, wow, he must have studied abroad, like over in the U.S., must have been Lancaster or somewhere in Kutztown, who knows, you know, he must have been somewhere in Pennsylvania, Dutch country. And, of course, the service is, is over. He goes to this African pastor and says, how did you learn to speak such fluent Pennsylvania Dutch? Not many people know that dialect. Even if they know German, you may not know Pennsylvania Dutch. Come on, somebody. And he said, I've never left the country. I don't know what you're talking about. That was me praying in tongues. Speaking of the mighty works of God in a language that the African pastor didn't know, but the other person could hear and marvel and say, God, you're amazing. It happened to another friend of mine, and this was closer to home. We used to have a prayer group in Lebanon. This is back when I was 19, 20 years old, but my friend Marty Clark. And I could, I could actually say that I recognized that when she would pray in her heavenly language and tongue, it sounded Asian. It sounded like Chinese. It sounded, I don't know, Japanese, something like that. I don't know the Asian languages, but it sounded wonderful. It was really, it was really funny. And I'm like, man, I wonder if she knows what she's saying, but it always sounds. Lo and behold... A Japanese uh, person who, who was raised in part, some part of Japan had migrated to the U.S., visited our prayer group one day, and he said, how did you learn such fluent Japanese? And of course, Marty Clark, she was like in her 60s then, and she's like, I've never been to Japan, honey. You know, and that was my heavenly language. Come on. He's just staring at her like, is that even possible? Wow. That's, thank God for interpretation. God can do those things. Some languages are known and then some languages are only understood by God. Unknown to us, but understood only by God. Come on, mysteries that, that God understands. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Now, it's a tongue that does not speak to men, but it's to interact with the Heavenly Father. And there's a place where Paul called it tongues of angels. Um, there's tongues of men and tongues of angels, right? Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, and indeed no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. And also in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. And so there's both. We pray prayers out of our intellect, our mind, which are still very anointed prayers. That's also, some people call that praying in the spirit. That's okay, because you're led by the spirit to pray in English for the benefit of all that's hearing. And especially if you're praying over someone, you want to pray in a language that they can understand, hopefully, right? So they can be edified. But then there's prayer that isn't for anyone else. And so then people come to me a lot, and they, they, they may have brought this up to you too. Well, doesn't it always need interpretation? Not if it isn't for you, 
right? And so, well, if, if, if tongues are in church or tongues are in a prayer group, it needs interpretation. It only needs interpretation if it's a message for you. It's very clear in scripture that there's both, both ends, right? And so if I would just launch out in tongues right now, you'd be like, well, I can tell he's filled with the Holy Spirit, apparently, but I can understand a word he's saying. And Paul says clearly in Scripture, read 1 Corinthians 14 just more carefully when you go home. It takes time to unpack all of that. But in a, in a setting like this, it's better if I switch to a language that you know. Right? But if you were standing beside me in worship, oftentimes, I will just worship in the Spirit. Um, and then I'll go back to singing the words, and I'll worship in Spirit. It isn't for you. It's between me and God. There's tongues of men and then tongues of angels. You okay with that? Why? Let's talk about why real quick. Why tongues? What tongues actually does? What are the benefits? And why would I even desire such a thing? Come on. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, builds himself up in the inner man, right? And so that's why I often would just switch to tongues when I'm worshiping or when I'm driving or when I'm alone. Why? Because I want my inner man to be built up and it's a way to connect with the person of the Holy Spirit in mysteries, that I may or may not know. Sometimes he reveals some things and then I bring it into my known language. Other times I just don't know, but it builds me up on the inside and it, it revives that connection that I need with him. Jude one twenty, even in the book of Jude, says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And so there again, a way to build yourself up. That's why you'd want to do it. Roman, has anybody felt empty going through this crazy life we live in? Has anybody come home from work and gone, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Dealing with your family situations, how do I keep going? We need to be built up. If you're like me, we feel weakness and we feel a lack of strength some days. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so when you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, then he is praying the right thing. I don't know about you, but I run out of words, right? I want to pray for a while. I'm done. Give me five minutes, and I've said all I can say because I'm a fast talker, as some of you know. I'm done. I, think, I can't think of another thing to say, right? And so I was like, do you repeat? Man, I think the Bible says don't repeat your prayers. They get it, right? And so I was like, oh, now I've come like a Pharisee. I'm just going back over it. I'm not sure you heard me, God. Go. No, just launch into tongues and allow the Holy Spirit to pray the will of God through you. And I've done that many times over my kids, over my family, over this church and the previous church, over the region, anything that's on your heart. The Holy Spirit knows how to pray. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. There it is again, with all prayer and supplication. Supplication means requests with all prayer and request, but pray in the Spirit. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so it's praying for one another, you know? And then again, I say, does it need interpretation? Yeah, if you're trying to get a message across to them, yeah, you should switch to a known language or pray for interpretation, right? But no, you can pray in a heavenly language and the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to pray for that person that's in trouble, that person that needs to come back to the Lord, that person that needs healing, that person that needs a breakthrough from addiction. You know, if you say, Holy Spirit, I want 
want you to use me and pray through me. I'm telling you, that is one of the best ways to change a culture. And that's why I predict and I prophesy it's going to become much more popular again in the days ahead. Why? Because it's a felt need in our culture. Because people are looking at our, our culture and looking at the, you know, the downfall even of America and the ways we've deteriorated in some ways and what I would call the woke culture and going, how do I survive this? By following the Holy Spirit and by becoming a powerhouse for the Holy Spirit, allowing him to pray through you and then all the gifts of the Spirit flowing through you, that's how a culture is actually changed. And so sitting, sitting around worrying about it has never changed anything. And I've, I've done that. Sit around and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just watched that. This world is crazy. And then you go, wait a minute, what does God have me to do? And there's ways for me to pray and interact with the culture all around me. Amen, you still with me? Final steps that I want you to know, it's your story. And the reason I say that, like it's not like a specific event, but I'm calling you into like a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's multiple events. But I want you to know that it's your story. And the danger of sharing my personal story or someone else's a story about being filled with the Holy Spirit or receiving the gift of tongues is because then it puts some of us, some of you, into a place of like, well, if it doesn't happen like that for me, then God doesn't like me or, 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 or you know, I'm just not there. I feel less than. Here's the truth. It can be as different as there are different people in this room. The experiences can be very varied and very broad, but, the whole, but there is evidence and there is an experience that belongs to you. It could happen in a church service like this because we're going to pause and pray at the end and we're gonna linger there and pray. It could happen on your way home. It could happen when you're taking a shower tomorrow morning and you're going, oh my, I think I am just feel like muttering some things. I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. It could happen on your drive to work. It could happen anytime, anywhere. Okay, let's not limit, it, limit God, but it's your story and he wants you to have an experience. You okay with that? Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Express desire and hunger. Start engaging with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, then it's surrendering your spirit, your soul, your body, your spirit, soul, and body to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray that continually, and then we partner with him. I often get this question when we talk about tongues. Some people say, well, is it me or is it him? The answer is yes. <laughs> and, so, and so really, you know, to get as practical as possible, he doesn't, he typically, unless you're Paul, <laughs> not get knocked off the donkey, right, on, on his on his way, we don't build a doctrine out of one one-time experience. Typically, he wants to partner with you, and so he doesn't typically force you to do stuff that you don't want to do, right? He's a gentleman, and so he wants your voice to be released. He uses your tongue. He uses you, your mouth to form syllables, but he's the one giving them to you. It comes from a place in the spirit where he wants to partner with you, and so, well, that sounds like me doing it. What well, is you? You're partnering with the Holy Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? It has, to be, it has to be both. And so we go through these mental gymnastics, um, probably mostly because we're American, but you know, <laughs> this is how we do. We go, yeah, but, you know, because we're filled with doubt and fear. Let me say this. Surrender your voice, your mouth, and your mind. Just surrender your voice, your mouth, and your mind, and just start to work with him and try something. So it's going to sound really weird. Absolutely. Uh, go for it. Let's all be weird together. Um, Final thing is this, check your ego, check your intellect, and check your sense of self-sufficiency. I got my life all together and I dictate my life. You know, that, that sense that you start to feel like I'm a self-made man, self-made person. Check your ego, 
Why, why am I saying that? It is the biggest, biggest hindrance for people in our culture, especially ego, is the biggest, largest hurdle for us to get over to just receive the power of the Holy Spirit and especially the gift of tongues because it takes an incredible level, another level of complete surrender to give him your mind, will, and emotions and all that, so. Any questions? I'm just kidding. You can see me afterwards. <clears throat> Starting back there. <laughs> Y'all still breathing? You're such a beautiful audience. What I want to make sure of before we close this service is let's not get the cart before the horse and make sure that you have indeed gotten saved first, right? That is step number one is receiving the lordship of Jesus Christ and saying, I have made him to be Lord of my life. Now I am seeking him for further experience. But in a crowd of this size, and especially those watching online, we never want to assume. So let's, let's do that first. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? You know, have you made him to be your boss and your champion and, and being fully restored to Father God in that relationship? declaring that the finished work of the cross was indeed for you. Let's just, every eye closed for just a moment. And we do this so that you have some personal space and you're no longer thinking about the neighbor next to you. Do some inner work just for a moment and say, do I know Jesus Christ is my Lord? If you don't, I would love for you to just raise your hand high in the air. We're gonna pray a prayer before we move on. If you're online watching, just type it in there saying, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, something like that. Anything to let us know, we'll pray for you. Anybody at all, raise your hand, and we're going to pray before we move on. <clears throat> good, good. Okay. I did not see anyone, but for the sake of the people online, let's just pray a quick prayer of salvation. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus Christ, I believe you're the way and the truth and the life. I repent of all my sins, and I receive your forgiveness today. Amen and amen. If you're here today, would you all stand with me for this next prayer? <clears throat> Let's all stand together. If you're here today and you're saying, I desire more of the Holy Spirit, I desire further experience, I know that it's biblical, I've been apprehensive, I've been a little shy about it, maybe I have some doubts, fears, and unbeliefs, and that's okay. We pray, Lord, help us with our unbelief. If you're here today and you desire more, what's called baptism, immersion in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like, I've had that experience, but I've really never gotten tongues. I really want that. And all, all I want today, I, I never would want you to feel coerced into doing something you don't want to do, but I want uh, what, I'm, what I'm expressing to you from the heart of the Father today is glorious invitation. And, and he's increasing hunger in many of you to say, wow, I've been a little bland in my Christian walk. I wonder why. I've been a little lackadaisical, maybe a little bit complacent. Man, walking with the power of the Holy Spirit is not boring, brother, sister. It is not. It's where he starts to interact with you and sends you on a journey of experience and, um, and he's ready. He's, he, he's, he's 10 times more ready than, than some of you are right now. You're just kind of poised there going, what's next? Well, what's next is just fully engaging and to start talking to him because he's already there. No one raised their hand and said, I need salvation. So what that means is that the Holy Spirit is living within you already. 
Now he's saying, please talk to me. Please engage with me. Please invite me to go further, to go deeper. Please give me your mind, will, and all your emotions. Surrender all of your life to me, even your body, even your tongue, even your mouth, even your voice, so that what comes out of your mouth is God-given and spirit-breathed, whether it's tongues or English or some other language that you know. You want it all to be spirit-filled. Come on, let's all pray right now together for immersion in the Holy Spirit. Get into receiving mode. I don't know how to tell you to do that, except maybe it looks like this or like this, or maybe just in your heart you're saying, more, Lord, every eye closed for just another minute or two as we linger here for a bit. I'm just going to pray over you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray as you feel led. And I'm doing this purposely so that there's no coercion of you praying something you don't want to pray. It's a glorious invitation not to control you in any way. Those of you now that have the gift of tongues and have moved in this for years or, or, or not so long, I would love for you to just start praying in tongues. As the music gets a little higher, <clears throat> um, you can do that as you want to, Nathan, but it sort of helps to drown out, <laughs> helps you even to feel more comfortable and create an atmosphere. Start to engage, and those of you that, that have tongues, start to engage in tongues. Oh, there we are, we're back on. Start to pray aloud. Whatever it sounds like, use your heavenly language. Use your prayer language that you got. This is not a time for interpretation. This is time for you to engage with God himself. This is not for your fellow man. This is for God. You're creating an atmosphere. We pray more, Lord. We want full immersion. Lord, baptize my brother. Baptize my sister in the Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name. All those who hunger, all those who desire, fill them completely. Baptize them. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to take my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, of course, my spirit, mind, soul, and spirit, completely give myself to you in entirety. Fill me completely, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Those of you that have desire to speak in tongues, what I would encourage you to do is just start with a syllable and make a noise. It can be that simple. If you want to do it later, that's okay. I encourage you to try if you desire it. Start making a noise. So what? It doesn't matter who hears you. Let's all ex explore this mystery together and just believe that by faith, He's given us more of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what it sounds like. The Holy Spirit wants to take it and move upon it. Holy Spirit wants to give you more. Start with a sound. Start with a syllable and say, more, Lord. Give me more. Set that I'm out to you. Mom, God, birth Holy Spirit in me. More, Lord. Birth Holy Spirit gifts in me today. I want the gift of tongues. I want to connect with you supernaturally. Give me gifts of prophecy and healing. Give me boldness to preach the gospel after today. Lord, let me not leave here the same. In Jesus' name, more, Lord. Start saying more, Lord. Start saying the word immersion because it really, really matters. The word immersion is what we're asking for. Full baptism. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for sending us the helper, the comforter, the one who empowers us for living life according to your will and to your ways. I don't want to live life not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number one, it's way too boring. Number two, I don't know if I'll make it. <laughs> More, Lord. Not ashamed of the gospel. 
We're not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of the Holy Spirit in this place. Not ashamed of the glorious work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, my brothers and sisters need you. They need to be empowered for this season that we're in and for the days ahead in this place, in this country, in these families. Lord, in this region we call Berks County, we need to be empowered, Lord. Fill us again and again and again. Those of us who have experienced many, many times with the Holy Spirit, fill us again and again and again. More, Lord. We need more today and more tomorrow and the next day. More, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.